1: Well, hello and happy New Year's Eve.
0: Oh, it's the day. Common good friends. We made it. We made it to the end of the year. Isn't that crazy? It really kind of is. Like at what point are we going to sit back and self-reflect over how crazy this year has been? I feel like we do that probably four, four times a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
1: it does, it, I, maybe I always feel this way. Maybe it's because we had a kid or a second kid and that stuff just sort of accelerates everything. But it does always feel when we get to the end of the year like, wow, that, that was yes. quick. Before we get into that, though, uh, you can find us a couple places on Facebook, the Common Good Radio Show, 1160Hope.com slash the Common Good, wherever it is you get your podcast. Maybe, maybe your New Year's resolution is to share this podcast with a friend. Share this show with Ooh, a friend. It should be. It's sh-
0: <laughs> wow. Oh, it should uh, be.
1: Coming in heavy handed, <laughs> Reverend From. My goodness. <laughs> what are you trying to accomplish in 2020? <laughs> share that <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, what a salesman. Well done. Uh, so I-, I wanted to start the show with just a little bit of reflection just a little bit of uh I don't know and I we have not prepped this segment we at all not. which is half the fun of the show just what is it, what is it like in Brian Fromm's brain when you are you know coming to the end of a year as a husband as a father as a pastor as a radio host now like are there things and rituals that you partake in are there ways that you think through the year or you look to the the next
0: year? Like, what does that look like? I think it fits our personalities right? I tend to not look back on the last year as much as look forward to the next year. Uh, And interestingly, you and I have talked many times about uh, how that's at least part of my personality. I don't tend to go back and listen to old shows or old sermons or this or that. Uh, But here's where I have to be really careful. I've already started it for this coming year is uh, I can get overwhelmingly like New Year, here's the 15 things I'm going to do, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. I'm going to do this, this, and then, you know, they all kind of fall by the wayside and then become discouraged. I'm trying to get better at here's the one or two things I'm trying to do. Here's the, here's the couple things that I'm trying to accomplish. And so, but I do want to spend some time looking back over this year, man. It's been crazy. Like this time last year, we didn't have a show. Uh, we knew we were about to start. We were like a week out you remember how nervous we were so that? nervous so <laughs> nervous and uh like to see the people we've gotten to meet and to talk to over the last year uh and just the the things we've gotten to talk about the crazy year, it's been a it's been a wild ride here like i think it's worth worth looking back uh and i'm excited to see for the show's sake what does 2020 hold you know i totally agree and i completely disagree go for it no i'm just kidding, I'm kidding. okay <laughs> I'm like, all right, here we go. I could
1: see the look in your eyes like, all right. Here we go. I actually forgot that I I wrote a a New Year's blog a few years ago, and I'm kind of combing through it right now. I don't know if it's any good. This is going to be like a kicker segment. I'm just going to read some of it and just hope hope it's not heresy. Uh, I'll start in the middle. I said, I think comedian Joey Adams understood this tension, which was apparently referring to earlier in the blog. Uh, And he said, may all your troubles last as long as your New Year's resolutions. (laughs) And of like, man, I'm going to go to the gym. Four times a day exactly. by Valentine's Day. We're like, I like chocolate. Yep. Um, so I said, you can rock a new hairdo, you can, but underneath all that luscious mane will still be me. I can't believe I wrote like that. That's a good, well written. I, thanks. I can commit to eating only locally grown, skinny gene approved vegetables. Watching exclusively foreign documentaries or always sit with aristocratic posture, but these regimens simply cannot and will not transform the heart. <laughs> Precise methodology may nudge us in good and right directions, but we must know that our resolutions often look merely to the symptoms while blithely ignoring the disease. Holy
0: cow. I go
1: on to wrote, uh, go on to write. Sometimes the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. When our attempts at improvement fall short, we will come face to face with the reality that we still carry the same worries and fears, the same sadness, burdens, and hardships we did the year before. Why? Because what we need are not new things, but a new life. Ian Simpkins. Mm, you go <laughs> so listen to this GK Chesterton quote. Um,
0: Oh, and Chesterton, Chesterton? I'm at I you. know, what
1: the heck, man? The object of a new year is not that we should have a new year, is that we should have a new soul and a new nose, new feet, a new backbone, new ears and new eyes. Unless a particular man made New Year's resolutions, he would make no resolutions. Unless a man starts afresh about things, he will certainly do nothing effective. Unless a man starts on the strange assumption that he has never existed before, it is quite certain that he will never exist afterward. Unless a man be born again, he shall by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm. This is the thing that is truly heartbreaking for me is that most New Year's resolutions are based on a lie. If I lose this weight, then I'll be truly happy. If I make this much money, then I'll finally be satisfied. If I master this one skill, then I'll be successful. If I find that one person, I'll finally feel complete. Mm. If I could just have that job, I'll really be at peace. Deep down, I think that each of us is aware that these statements aren't really true, but we tend to white-knuckle our lists and resolutions and give it the old college try one more. I'd like to propose that instead of looking to accomplish accomplishments for significance, instead of allowing skill sets to command our identity, and instead of gripping tightly to past successes or allowing ourselves to be gripped by past failures, we commit to the following. To be truly honest with ourself, even if it hurts. To allow ourselves to really be known by others. To show grace toward failures, even and especially our own. To hit the pause button every once in a while. And to keep getting back up.
0: What do you, what do you think of that? I think you're a good writer. <laughs>
1: How, how many, many years ago was this? Five years
0: ago. Wow. Are you a better writer now? Nope. Do I, don't so. I don't think so. I don't think so, man.
1: I literally stumbled over some of those sentences because I like couldn't even predict
0: how it was well this Ian Brown. Thanks, yeah. man. I think it's a really valid point. Like On some level, New Year's gives us an opportunity to wipe the slate clean uh, and, and start over. Uh, but when we, uh, A need to remember if we can't wipe the slate clean with everything you know right, some things are right. going to carry over uh and b that just because you could start over doesn't mean that life is going to be right like oh if i just lose my 20 pounds if i just you know like you mentioned find that uh that significant other if i just get that promotion uh just because it's new years doesn't mean that that like if you find those things in 2020 that it's necessarily going to make your life everything right. you've dreamed of and better. I think it's a great point you make
1: there. Well, and it's and that's the thing. I want to be careful too because I think self-improvement's good. Yeah. And absolutely. if you're if
0: you're feeling,
1: you know, the uh, the 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 inspiration to get back into some sort of fitness regimen, to yes. uh, to really be serious about diet, to make time for important relationships, to handwrite letters, to be more grateful, I think all of that is really really good. Um but sometimes sometimes to me it can feel like what I would call like lawnmower spirituality mm. where, I don't know how, how your lawn looks, Brian. Mine's like 80% weeds. <laughs> but they're, as long as they're green. But if I mow it yes. from a distance, it looks pretty
0: good. Oh, I've played that game a lot. But
1: don't you feel like spiritually we can do that too? Yes. Like we see weeds and we're like, mm, I'm just going to mow over it. The yep. root is still there. Yep. And yep. as long as I keep people from a distance, oh it looks pretty green. Brian Fromm looks like he's kind of got his life together, but I didn't actually deal with like. The heart thing, but man, he's got a little fitter. He got a better haircut. He yeah. got a new wardrobe. Like I feel like New Year's resolutions can sometimes look like that. And we fail to, you know, really deal with the heart level stuff.
0: Absolutely. Man, you're, you're, you're rolling today. <laughs> you need to write a book or something. I don't think that's book level. I but. think the we. I think there's a great, there's a great point there about the weeds and mm-hmm. just mowing them over. And, uh, yeah, I think embrace New Year's, right? Embrace this new start. Uh, don't become overwhelmed by it, but also make sure it's like you wrote in your blog a couple years ago. It's an opportunity to be reminded of that which will provide the most contentment and that right. which will provide the greatest amount of joy.
1: And that's what I appreciate about – I, I feel like a lot of Christians sometimes hate on New Year's. Like, mm-hmm. ah, it's without Jesus, it's all meaningless. And I I don't know that I'm like full-on curmudgeon there just yep. yet because I think it, it having a calendar can be a helpful time for reflection, for reset, especially following the holidays. Yes. Um, So I'm for all of that, but I, you know, maybe it's worth actually asking some tough questions about like, oh, what kind of, not what kind of things do I want to do, but what what kind of person do I want to become? Yeah. You know, like to read more books or to run more often, I think are all good things, but I don't know, man. I wish I had been asked. That question earlier, what kind of person mm. am I becoming? And maybe into this next year, that's a question that we can all wrestle with together. Absolutely. All right, well, coming up next, this might feel like a little bit of a right term, but Brian and I are both parents, and sometimes we like to talk about parenting-type things. Eight simple phrases we use to handle misbehavior in the little years. That's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Oh, hey there, hello everyone. Man, we are... Getting loosey goosey here at the end of the year. That sounds about right. We I should think just, so. We'll, we should, we'll 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 button down come twenty twenty. You think so? Oh, absolutely. If you guys could see, you have a the formality of twenty twenty uh-huh. is going to be off. This the is what I'm going to call it. Your sarcasm comes with a furrow brow every time. <laughs> I know people can't see it, but there is a as soon as your face. <laughs> Moved to that transition, I was like, and sarcasm, oh, sarcasm will follow. There Here it goes. Go. See, you're <laughs> my <at> ra- <laughs> you're <laughs> my radio <laughs> spouse. You know, no, my we're finishing <laughs> each other's sandwiches. Um, all right, so here's. It's kind of interesting, actually, because this article is not really where I'm at or you're at. So you're sort of out of it, and I'm kind of entering into mm-hmm. it. Eight simple phrases I use every day to handle behavior problems in the little years. So I guess I'm I'm just now kind of entering into it my uh my eldest just turned two um he's mm. already learning how to talk back which is super fun he is <laughs> he's i don't know where he gets his sarcasm and his rebellion from <laughs> which is um, super fun. probably never mind so he i can't imagine yeah <laughs> did i fur my brow again with that sarcasm yeah. <laughs> you very intentionally raised your eyebrows which was even creepier uh we were actually talking about this a couple of weeks ago at church. Some friends and I, well, their kid is about the same age as Owen, and uh, they're like, "Oh, our our daughter has learned the um, the phrase, what did I tell you?'" <laughs> 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 so we kind of like point a finger, and be like, "What did I tell you?" <laughs> and I'm That's like, "Oh so my goodness!" Funny. So I don't know how you if you read a book or if there's something that was really specific. I want to get through these suggestions because I think they're pretty good, and then kind of get your take on them. Do you think they're nonsense? Do you think they're helpful? So. Yep. Again, eight simple phrases I use every day to handle behavior problems in the little years. Why don't you kick us off with number one?
0: I will. And as a parent who has now moved into more of the teenage years and the the preteen time, I would suggest that, like, especially when your kids are little, not every argument needs to be the end of the world, right? Like sometimes you can even laugh at the arguments, and you're going to get some right and you're going to get some wrong. So this author has said, here are some of the phrases that I use to kind of handle behavior problems when my kids are little. Uh, would love to know your feedback if you think these are accurate, if you think yeah. these are garbage, whatever else you might think. Number one, she writes, Uh oh, this is so sad. I use this phrase mainly in the baby toddler stage, but occasionally into the preschool years, depending on the child's temperament. Huh. It lets the child know that what they are doing is not okay and that some kind of natural consequence is coming. Throwing food, uh oh, this is so sad. Tantrum, uh oh, this is so sad. Hitting, uh oh. This is so sad. Time to take a break in your room and calm down.
1: Well, she followed him up to uh, throwing food. Uh-oh, this is so sad. I guess you're not hungry and you can be all done now. Or mm. tantrum. Uh-oh, this is so sad. You probably need some alone time to calm down. Do you want to calm down right now or in your room? Hitting. Uh-oh, this is so sad. Time to take a break in your room and calm down. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know that in the moment I would have the wherewithal to say that, <laughs> but I think they got something. There's yeah. a good point there. Number two, uh, do you want to calm down here or take a break in your room? which we just talked about. We use this for extended tantrums beyond short toddler outbursts. It works well for one of my kids who tends to scream and occasionally hit when he's angry. Even as adults, we benefit from removing ourselves from situations until we can calm down and talk about what happened. When they continue to scream instead of making a choice, they are automatically choosing, to, um, choosing the break in his room in case you were wondering. I always want to give my kids the option to calm down on the spot. My kids understand that if they don't calm down,
0: They will have the time and space to do it in their room. Number three, do you want to walk or be carried? After you say phrase number one, those kids that can talk will quite possibly respond, no, that's when this phrase comes in. You've probably recognized by now that a lot of these phrases are choices most originated from their book, Love. And logic. So do you want to walk or do you want to be carried? Oh, it says now love and
1: logic argues that giving kids choices not only teaches them how to make decisions, but makes them more agreeable when you truly need them to obey right away. That's interesting. Hmm. Giving choices, love and logic argues, also causes them to take their mind off the issue at hand and forces them to decide what they would rather do. Personally, we use them for a different reason. As a follower of Jesus, we believe that God originally created people for freedom, and the purpose of the cross was to restore that freedom. Hmm. That's super super interesting. Uh, number four you decide or i decide <laughs> when i had only one child i decided to give love and logic techniques a whirl of course i instantly ran into the problem of my child choosing choice c <laughs> i hadn't read enough to know not to go with choice c my daughter realized she could get away with any alternate choice she invented needless to say i ditched love and logic pretty quickly <laughs> the second time i tried using loving and, love and logic techniques i used them Within the framework presented in Loving Your Kids of Purpose. I actually finished the whole book this time and found what I missed the first time around. You decide, or I decide. It solved my dilemma of what to do when your child tries to choose
0: option C. You, the parent and the teacher, are the giver of the choices. You decide which choices to give. Interesting. Number five, you can come and have fun or come and not have fun. (laughs) I've used ones around along this line. I think I said this about doing the show today to you, (laughs) Brian. We're going to do this. (laughs) You can come and have fun or come and not have fun. (laughs) One of my favorites, she writes, this phrase is the one to use when there really is no other choice. It teaches kids that sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do. But the one choice you have always have, uh, no matter what, is your attitude. What to do if they refuse to come? You have two options. Depending on how urgent the situation is, if you are in a time crunch, you can use number two or number three. If you have lots of time, you can offer to hire a babysitter. Uh, Hint, they pay, not you in money or work. Interesting. Thankfully, I've only had to put the babysitter card on the table once, and that child quickly decided they would rather come and not have fun than stay and pay. (laughs) Wow. Making their four or five-year-old pay. (laughs) Uh, what if they aren't dressed appropriately? Often what your kids are wearing is just fine, except if you're embarrassment over being seen in the public with a kid in pajamas. Embarrassment is your problem. If they're if what they're wearing is not acceptable, you can bring their clothes with you in the car. Ah, oh, that's a fascinating thing. i never you heard. You can stay and you're paying for the babysitter <laughs> is a tactic I never used. How much money are these kids making? Uh, or work it off is what they're saying. I All think. right. Interesting. That
1: Number six, uh, I'm happy to talk with you when your voice is calm like mine. Again, this is about boundaries. You are letting your child know that you love him and that you really do want to talk to him. However, your conditions for having a conversation are that his voice is calm and the tone normal, not whiny. The first few times you use this, your kids just won't get it. They will continue to try to yell and whine as they did before, doing everything possible to break you down. You repeat it as many times as it takes, but always calmly and lovingly. That's easier Mm, said than done, Absolutely. If you need to put your brain on autopilot, do it. After enough times, I am so tempted to lose it uh, so I usually think about something else while the encounter is happening, while losing your temper habits are the best of us. It's best to avoid it because it
0: shows that it shows kids that they can make mommy or daddy lose it. Mm. Interesting. Number seven, I'm feeling hassled right now. Hmm. This phrase stops sibling fighting in 10 seconds or less. I kid you not. It works mainly with older children, four and up. They need to be between four and five to understand the point. When your kid starts fighting, you say, I'm feeling hassled right now. The key is to look excited. You could even tack on, please keep fighting. Oh, I see what they're doing here. Okay. At first, your kids will be super confused. What do you mean hassled, and why does mom look excited? Well, when mom (laughs) is hassled, it means that she's about to be the receiver of free labor. The fighting kids are the ones who have been doing the work. Once they stop fighting, you look super disappointed. Your kids will learn that when they fight, they have to do free work, and mom is really excited about it. But when they get along... They don't have to do mom's work, and mom is slightly disappointed. Uh, Reverse psychology has its benefits. That's not bad.
1: That's pretty funny. It's not
0: bad. do hassle the Hoff. Uh, Number (laughs) eight, (laughs) I love you too much to argue with
1: you. Arguing, nothing will drain you faster as a parent than a petty, cyclical argument, and kids know it. They love to wear you down with pointless discussion to get what they want. I love you too much to argue with you. Tells your child that arguing with him is actually hurting him because it's preventing him from... From accepting his choice or natural consequence, you are loving him by setting a boundary. You're not going to argue. The key is to stay, or to say it in a loving tone, not sarcastic. Tempting though it is, and as many times as you need to. Again, I don't know if you've read books before you were a parent that like prepared you for some of these encounters. If you find any of these useful, or are they
0: like a right. little too pie in the sky for you, or what do you think? I think they're good. They've got good stuff behind them. Like a part of me, as being like a weathered parent with kids through this age, like. Yeah, just serve, just go, just make it. But I like the thought process behind these. I do want to caution people, like sometimes we can overwhelm ourselves with like what this book says and this book says oh, and this book sure, says sure. and you become like you just start to think you're the worst parent in the world. Like find your rhythm. There's some great stuff behind these, whether you use these exactly or not, is not the point. I think being thoughtful is the point here. Yeah, that's well said, man. All right, coming up next a segment that I've toyed with a little bit here.
1: It's called Rapid Fire. Just a couple of really interesting stories that Brian and I probably don't have a lot of additional thoughts on, but we thought you would find them interesting. Uh, a wife builds a pub in the back garden for her husband. A 90-year-old Florida man arrested for the second time in a week. Florida. And apparently heavy metal music is uh, is really good for your brain. That's all coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Well, howdy, everyone. My name is Ian Simpkins along with the right Reverend Brian Fromm. This is The Common Good. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. This is a show that we've hopefully designed to be a space for dialogue, conversation. Brian and I will often disagree or we'll even change our minds in the mm-hmm. course of nine or ten minutes. And uh, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good, or wherever it is you get your podcast. We've actually gotten a few reviews. So yes. if that's you, thank you so much. If you would uh, do us the honor, liking, subscribing, and reviewing. That does really, really help us out. Make and that uh, your New Year's resolution. Make it your New Year's
0: resolution. Why not set the bar low in 2020? Liking- isn't, isn't it crazy that it's going to be 2020? I don't know. There's nothing to think about that. <laughs> Just 2020 feels like way in the future.
1: People have been saying it for a long time, but I really hope Barbara Walters does something on New Year's Eve. Why would... What? I'm Barbara Walters, and this...
0: It's 2020. I was so confused by what you just said. (laughs) You haven't seen the meme? No,
1: I haven't. But now (laughs) it's really funny. Can you imagine, like, as the ball drops and she just looks right into the camera, I'm Robert Walters and this is 2020.
0: That is perfect. That is wonderful. As
1: someone who wears glasses, I'm glad that we're all finally going to have 2020 vision, though. That's (laughs) that's exciting.
0: And other obvious jokes. Think of all the fruition of the churches that set their vision in 2015, their five-year vision, and called it 2020 vision. Now it's coming all this year. Does anyone else even say fruition besides pastors at this point? (laughs) There's probably some businesses,
1: right? I... Often will uh, mix up fruition and volition, which is not. Oh, those are different. Help, very different. Yep. Okay. Anyway, so this is a segment rapid fire. I need a better name for it. I just been calling it rapid fire because you and I were sharing links and stories throughout the week, and we're like, "This is interesting." And then one of us will ask, "What do you want to say about it?" Yeah, and we're I've like, "Nothing to say." I don't know, but they're just interesting. And I have thoughts if we wanted to linger on any of them. Sure. But let's. Uh, Let's just share them. Why don't you kick it
0: off? Yeah, the first one uh, is titled this. Wife builds pub in back garden as she's sick of husband sneaking off for a pint. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes there's nothing better than ending a long, hard day at the pub, chatting with your pals, a cold beer in hand. Uh, But there's definitely a few of us who are guilty of staying a little too long or drinking a little too much. Paul Tapper, an engineer for Newton Abbott in Devon. I think that's in Great Britain, in England, I think. Yeah. Anytime they use pint and this and that, right? Uh, has always been a big fan of visiting his local, much to the annoyance of his wife Jane. Finally, she decided enough was enough and built her very own <laughs> pub right in the middle of their back garden, in an attempt to keep her husband from sneaking off for a drink. Jane uh, has hilarious chosen has hilariously chosen to name the pub the Dog House. In that's brilliant. That's fascinating. That's, does. Uh,
1: Oh, well well done, well done PJ. We have not really addressed PJ Oh, no, Happy stuff. New Thanks, Year, PJ. Happy New Year, man. Grateful for you Oh, no, ser- There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> ah, thank you. Uh. <laughs>
0: did you just get done eating a mentos? What was that? <laughs> for, we need, for, did, for we should have uh we should have uh New Year's resolutions for PJ.
1: Ooh. You're going you're
0: gonna make me my own. Yeah, no, and no, he we are him. gonna resolve to some things for you. Yeah. So. Oh I we'll have, let you know when we decide. I have this. a couple of, in mind already. <laughs> <laughs> I do also
1: this is, I know that's like a funny story. You have to admit you have a little bit of a problem though when you're building a pub in your backyard, right? Yes. yes. That's gotta be a little bit of a wake up call. Yes. Or not at all. Uh it should be. Okay. Or he doesn't care. Or he doesn't <laughs> care. All right. Next up on rapid fire, ninety year old Florida man arrested for second time in a week after feeding the homeless again. Oh. When ninety year old Florida resident Arnold Abbott said, following his arrest on Sunday, the police couldn't stop him from feeding the homeless. He apparently meant it. Abbott was charged again on Wednesday night for violating a new city law in Fort Lauderdale that essentially prevents people from feeding the homeless. I expected it, he said in a Sun Sentinel report. At least this time, they let us feed people first. My goodness. Uh, officers lingered in the area for about 45 minutes, during which time Abbott and volunteers with the Love Thy Neighbor charity founded handed out more than 100 plates of hot chicken stew, Pasta, cheesy potatoes, and fruit salad to homeless men and women. If he's found guilty of violating city ordinance laws uh, his second in a week, he faces 60 days in jail or a $500 fine. What do you think of that
0: story? It's, I don't get it. Like I, It says uh, the new law in Fort Lauderdale comes after the city announced in January that people are restricted from camping, panhandling, food sharing, or engaging in other, quote, life-sustaining activities. Hmm. The laws regarding food sharing actually, ironically, are enacted on Halloween when millions of people are out sharing candy.
1: Oh no, kidding!
0: And Abbott, he's—you can tell—he's a nice guy. He says they were gentle. I think they feel a little guilty about doing their job here. Oh, but interesting—I don't know. Like, are, is that really what we need to be doing? Is trying to take food out of the hands of the homeless? Like, I would wonder—is Fort Lauderdale attacking the problem aggressively a different way? Yeah, or is this just right. going
1: to do this? Yeah, maybe this is a mowing over the weed situation. Yes. Right? this is like wow,
0: not really getting to the heart of the problem.
1: All right, why don't you talk to us about this next one?
0: Heavy metal music combats emotions like depression, anger, uh, a new study of science. Uh, Leah Sharman from the University of Queensland School of Psychology is researching the impact of music on society. She said a study of 39 adults ages uh, 18 to 34 found they were inspired and calmer when they listened to heavy metal. I totally get this. I was wondering how people use the music because people who listen to it would use it in different emotional states. And it goes on to say that Okay, so just for the sake of time, I would say I always thought heavy metal would make you more angry and more of this, but you're saying you, you're you uh, you're good with this. It goes on and says, when you're angry and you listen to
1: something that's highly arousing, it's going to match your emotional state. Certainly lots of people out there are screaming from rooftops saying, I've been telling you this all along. People have been saying that it makes me feel really good. It helps me calm down. It makes me relax. Uh, and I can, I can see both sides of it. You know, I mentioned earlier that I, I will often listen to metal when I run. Yes. So this is sort of like motivating and sort of like, Gets the adrenaline pumping, but the, I will. I can totally, totally agree with this. It does. There is, for some reason, I don't know what to equate it to. Like, do you have uh, like my my dad used to have a punching bag in the basement, mm. and I remember going down and, and hitting that for a while, which is an aggressive activity, but I found it very r- relaxing. Actually, yeah. at the end of it, I was like, okay,
0: I feel this like this is I've- not an aggressive thing at all. But the thing that comes to mind for me that I will most often do, and it's terrible because the winter becomes difficult to do this is I, it is so calming for me to take my dog for a walk. Oh, really? It really is. And I found, especially when it's nice out, Some of, when I feel most stressed, if I'm like, hey, I'm going to take the dog for a walk, I come back feeling a lot better. And it doesn't feel like a chore for no. you, like, oh, I got to do that. I feel like people no. talk about, it, like, ugh, I got to go take
1: the dog no, out. No, it's nice. But for you, it actually is like weirdly therapeutic. Huh? It is. All right, so this last one. I think this one came from PJ. Is that right? Way to go, PJ. Yeah, I found it last night. Way Uh, to go, Several wrote about it, but GN, I think, was the one I used. All right, so this this is going to end on a, a, a very heartwarming note. Man dying of cancer asks to be baptized as final wish while in hospice care. A dying man's final wish came true thanks to the staff at a hospice in South Carolina. James Grinstaff had always wanted to be baptized, so they made sure that happened. Video of the emotional event was shared on Spartanburg Regional Healthcare System Facebook page. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and in Jesus' name, Jones said, amen. Come on and let's celebrate, family. Hallelujah, the chaplain can be heard saying. Grinstaff was sitting in the medical tub as holy water was poured over his head. That felt good, he said afterwards. Mm -hmm. His children and grandchildren were also in attendance. They said they are glad to see his final wish come true. He's always read the Bible, but he had never been baptized. He wanted to show he believed more than anything else, said his son Jim. That, I mean, that story is unbelievable which you got to go watch the video by the way okay i haven't watched the video we'll share it's already on the facebook page go and watch it because it is one of those you don't need to know any of the characters in this story to to be moved by it i just think it's and
0: what a moment that it says his children and grandchildren were there and it's like this last step of like i want to kind of show you guys what's important to me and then take the step like it's uh that's that's really powerful. See, this
1: is what this is what Rapid Fire does. Just, we I, got to talk about a weird backyard pub thing. A
0: bad husband and a, someone <laughs> getting baptized in hospice.
1: It's awesome. And what I already forgot about, we talked in the middle. Heavy metal is good for the brain. Yep. What was the other one? Mm. <laughs> oh, the 90-year-old guy that was arrested. Man, uh, we went on a we real... Over. That's the, the essence of Rapid oh. <laughs> Fire. Rapidly forgetting. Yeah. Yes. We, yeah. yeah.
0: That's oh, on to the next. Yeah, that's so, that's
1: uh, just aging. That's
0: I <laughs> know no, it kind of moved on. I'm sorry, but the, uh, I don't know why GN didn't uh, include this quote. But the Today Show had the same story about the the, the man getting baptized. Yeah, he has a quote from it that says, "If I reach one person, it's a great deal." Oh, that's oh, awesome. man,
1: that's awesome. That, every once in a while, I feel like a lot of times what goes viral is either like toxic or just absurd. Yes, you know, you're like, why am I watching this? Um, but stories like this, man, uh, when I see it start to take you know pick up steam, I'm like, all right. We need more of that in the world. All right, so here's, here's the next story. And uh, again, it's kind of a heavy one, but I, I wanted to go there. It says, um, mm-hmm. I know you feel invisible. I see you running your child to therapy when friends take their kids to Little League. I see you cringe when people whine about petty things that pale in comparison to your day. And it's about a mom who pens this touching letter to special needs parents. We're going to talk about that coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Everyone, welcome back to the common good. My name, you guessed it, Ian Simpkins. His name, you also guessed it, Brian Fromm. Yep. Should we go with new names in the new year? No. That's, no. That's, that's, what name would you, I'm, can I call Pierre Delecto? <laughs> <laughs> Pierre Delecto. <laughs> is, that, is that too inside
0: baseball? It was taken, wasn't
1: it? <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I brought that story up a couple days ago and no one in the room knew what I was talking uh, about. That was Mitt Romney's that's right. fake Twitter handle, right? That's right where he would like legitimately troll other people wasn't he even like yeah Mitt Romney's awesome like wasn't there, <laughs> wasn't there parts of that story where it was even him like patting himself on the, oh, on the back Totally. It's as Pierre Delecto accounts. yes
0: <laughs> I'm going to vote for Mitt
1: Romney. <laughs> yeah, right. He's the greatest dude ever. It read like a like a comedy sketch. A I mean delecto. We should refine that article because there was a couple of other celebrities who had fake Twitter accounts, and all of the handles were insane sounding. Yeah, I
0: don't know what his handle was, but famously in the sports world, Kevin Durant would have, like one of the best basketball players in the world, had fake burner accounts where he would argue with people. Oh, like, regularly. what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, until they got found out. And then all of a sudden it was like, Man. oh. I know, remember the uh, Philadelphia 76ers GM got fired because oh, right, it was either right. him or his wife had accounts that they were like doing that.
1: Well, that and that was kind of a thing with Mark Driscoll, right? That wasn't the only thing, obviously, but yes. he had that he had that fake uh, account where he was That's saying right. some pretty crude things about women and yes. gosh, memories. Memories. Uh, 2019, <laughs> and 2019 and nineteen and two thousand and nine Yeah. How long ago was that? We don't need to go there. Yes. I always feel so introspective at the be- at the end of the year. It's always a very really weird true. sort of like. I will remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. It just uh, is unavoidable. All right, so we've been trying to to do a, a number of different kinds of stories, and especially since it's the end of the year, mm-hmm. we've been we've been kind of intentionally steering away from like current affairs or breaking news, and right. we'll still share some of that stuff yep. uh, on the Facebook page just to kind of keep you informed. Um, but I found this story, and I'll read the headline again. It's the longest headline I've ever seen, uh, but it's about a mom who is. Uh, kind of writing this letter to parents with kids with special needs and it says i know you feel invisible i see you running your child to therapy when friends take their kids to little league i see you mm. cringe when people whine about petty things that pale in comparison to your day so i thought we just
0: have brian read the story yeah it's short and yep. uh, and
1: then we'll just sort of react to it
0: she wrote uh dear special needs mom i want you to know that i see you i see you running your child to therapy when your friends are running their kids to little league I see you slipping out, the, out of the conversation when your friends are all chiming in about milestones and test grades. I see you juggling appointments and meetings, always making sure that you do the best for your child. I see you sitting at your computer for hours researching what your child needs. I see you cringe when people whine about the petty things that pale in comparison to your day. I see you spread thin but still going the extra mile for your family and managing to do it with a smile. I see you digging for depths of strength you never dreamed you had. I see you showing appreciation to the teachers, therapists, and medical professionals who serve your child with you. I see you reluctantly rising early in the morning to do it all again after another chaotic night. I see you when you're hanging on the end of your rope for dear life. I know you feel invisible like nobody notices any of it, but I want you to know that I notice you. I see you in the trenches, relentlessly pushing onward. I see you keep choosing to do everything in your power to give your child the best possible care at home, in school, at therapy, and at the doctor. What you're doing matters. It's worth it. On those days when you wonder if you can do it another minute, I want you to know that I see you. I want you to know that you're beautiful. I want you to know that it's worth it. I want you to know that you aren't alone. I want you to know that love is what matters most, and you have that nailed. Uh, And on those days when you have breakthroughs, those times when the hard work pays off and success is yours to cherish, I see you then too. And I'm proud of you. Whichever day today is you're worthy, you're good. And I see you,
1: man,
0: that's really powerful. powerful. Yeah. It's powerful for many different reasons. Most powerful. Hopefully if there's anybody who happened to be turning on the radio or the podcast right now, Mm -hmm. uh, who finds themselves in that situation, you're loving and caring for and raising a special needs child. Um, but also powerful, uh, or hopefully powerful for that person just to hear, uh, somebody notices you and you're being seen. But for those of us who don't have that, uh, special needs kid in our life, uh, who, uh, who wouldn't ever really think in this way, it's a great wake up call to be like, there's people around you who aren't begging necessarily for your help, right. your advice. Exactly. They're begging for your, uh, just your awareness and to be noticed. And and so I think when I read this, uh, I just, that's a wake up call for me to go, who's around me mm-hmm. that could use a word like this, an encouragement, totally. a I see you. What a powerfully well-written letter. Well, and this is something that has been close to my
1: wife's heart for a long time. And I feel like I've gotten the benefit of, learning more about this, uh, this discussion just from hearing her heart, you know, Mm. so she worked in a clinical setting for a while and then she was uh, a special needs teacher in CPS for a number of years in a low income neighborhood. Like, and again, you know, I think, I think my wife is, is just wonderful and has a huge heart and Mm -hmm. sees people. This is one of the things I think she does best is just really sees people. Um, But also even some of the stories that she would share, like stories that I honestly otherwise would have no idea about Hmm. stories about interactions with parents or with kids or some of the hurdles that, you know, that they face all the time that I don't know anything about. She talks even about, especially like in a clinical setting, how oftentimes for a lot of parents before they can even get to any kind of acceptance, there's all sorts of denial, you know, and then she talks about even like the different stages of grief. You're like. You have to grieve a little bit, uh, the loss of what you pictured for your child from the beginning and like, Hey, the reality is actually much different than what you had envisioned. And it really is like a grief. Mm -hmm. And, and I never really thought about it in that regard. So imagine, uh, a parent who is struggling with this grief, still fully loves their kid, right? Absolutely. Grief doesn't erase any of that, but dealing with their own kind of like heartbreak and sorrow. And at some level, like this is not what I anticipated for my kid add on top of that, like what like what she's saying, all the additional things it requires yeah. and the extra things you have to run to and the how you know, maybe the extra time it takes to do what for the rest of us would seem normal. Yep. You add all those things on top of grief and that can sometimes feel like just this insurmountable mountain and to even just be seen like you said, who are the people in our lives mm. that maybe they're not raising a hand, they're not waving a white flag, they're just sort of silently suffering and struggling. And could use a phone call or a hot meal or a free babysitter or, you know what I mean? Like, I just think, and again, I'm feeling introspective. Yes. It's the end of the year and all. Yeah, that no, stuff. it's good. Like, oh man, who going forward, could we do a better job of being intentional about, about, about coming alongside and loving them, letting them know they're not alone?
0: Yeah, the haunting thing in this letter for me is, uh, whether it be uh, parents of special needs kids or, you know, people battling depression, people, whatever, whatever falls under this umbrella how many people are invisible to me yeah because right. i run that's the haunting nature of this letter it's the invisible uh, the invisibility that is talked about because how many people do i run past in the busyness of my day yeah where i may not know what they're going through but also i may not be willing to take the time to know what they're going through All right. and so man that's when i first read this i was like oh that invisible one like I'm, I'm often the one running with my kid to little league or to soccer or to whatever right. else. And that there are other people who wish they could be running their kid there and this or that. And again, it, this speaks nothing. In fact, I think there is a greater sacrificial love shown by, by mm-hmm. parents of special needs kids than most parents because it's just a necessary, it's needed. Um, but yeah, that invisible, that, that phrase invisible is, is really a powerful one. Yeah. And I think, you know, how do we,
1: how do we cut through the noise of our own lives yeah. in order to care for other people yep. and to be honest you know sometimes knowing that the uh, the invitation may not be accepted like yep. thanks for offering but we're okay absolutely or we're not ready to let someone else in absolutely. but to still ask to still hit pause on the speed of our own lives to see the people around us and it might not even be specifically with you know a okay, kid with special needs it could be someone who just recently lost a spouse absolutely or geographically isn't close to their family or mm-hmm. and honestly sometimes as little as it seems it could be a high school that just went through a breakup i think it's easy yeah. as adults to be like oh, you're only 14 absolutely this was never going to last but like to that 14 year old the whole world is crumbling like what would it look like to be more intentional mm-hmm. about really helping like you said helping those who feel invisible be seen yes to be known to know that they matter that they're cared for That mm-hmm. they're seen Even if there's nothing Practically that we can do To help them I think yeah. that's a good call It's a powerful letter So uh, coming up next Again it is the end of the year So I wanted to get Not only a little Introspective like we've been saying But also maybe Cast a little vision For the new year And there's a beautiful article I found out of Pathos: A new year A time for hope Which maybe for a lot of us We could use a whole lot more of That's what's coming up next Here on The Common Good On AM 1160 Hope for your life Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkins here. And after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area... Uh, my interest was kind of piqued with regards to what kind of organization this was, and it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop. Uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to, to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no strings attached kind of mentality. It was just their heart to give back to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously, to be wise with money and live generously. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them. And so if you're interested in learning more, I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today.
0: It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common, our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles, Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. The end of the year is upon us. Brian. the last hour before
0: well, of the show <laughs> before the new, it is the last hour, take shelter. <laughs> It is the last hour of the show before the new year. Do you guys... I know you have such little kids. Are you doing anything tonight? Or does that remain to be seen here? Yeah, we'll see how the night (laughs) shakes down. Oven pizza. (laughs) Listen. That would be awesome. I'd say
1: the older I get, the the less I mind that kind of a night. I, and I am with you. That
0: trajectory starts and continues.
1: I, we also are trying to be a little more intentional about, um, in a traditional church calendar sense, you know, Christmas begins December 25th, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we have the 12 days of celebration. And, I, you know, so I'm trying to, like, the trees still up, lights are still up, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like, that's... Uh, that's something we're trying to be a little more intentional about yeah. as Protestants.
0: That's and, maybe odd. but yeah. And as completely a, a other side of it, like if you go out tonight, I'm guessing a babysitter on New Year's, is, that's a premium price. <laughs> Listen, I can't imagine
1: it being any more premium than it already is. <laughs> it blows true. my mind. I'm, I'm looking back on when I was babysitting. I was like, I was doing it for like a ham sandwich yep. and a pat on the back. Yep. Man, I can't believe. And again, we've been really, really blessed with some pretty, pretty yep. amazing babysitters to the point where like Owen used to freak out when a babysitter came over. The other day, a babysitter came over, and he like looked at her, and then looked back at us and was like, "Okay, bye bye, mama, papa, bye bye." <laughs> like, "Was you can go now? Like, we're we'll I'm be good. fine here." I'm yeah, good. it was instant. I was like. A hey, little punk. Yeah. <laughs> at least some fake tears. Come on. Now. I was kind of fine with it, to be honest. But yep. Anyway, because it's uh, the end of the year, and we've been mentioning in the last couple of days, we've been sort of introspective and maybe a little reflective of the previous year. But I kind of also wanted to uh, to paint a picture of the future for a little bit. Before I get into this, do you do a lot of like planning for the year ahead, or what is like the the from tradition or spiritual practice or do yeah, you have not, any like
0: not, rhythms for that not really no i mean my wife and i we will certainly have the conversations of like you know what do we want to accomplish i'm looking forward to uh i've mentioned this on multiple occasions now but my wife and i are getting away in a couple weeks for our anniversary like oh, okay. mexico nice. uh biggest trip we've ever done and i do think besides just having a blast on that trip i think there'll be a lot more it's almost like our planning is being delayed by three weeks because i think we'll have a lot of deeper kind of what's our future conversations there. okay that'll be fun yeah you're looking forward to it oh my god like <laughs> like very few things i've ever looked forward to in my life
1: tell us how you really feel brian Yeah, i just
0: did yes All i'm right. super excited
1: so he, here's the article and uh, it's a few years old so i'm going to try to adjust some dates on the mm-hmm. fly and let's see if i can do it correctly either way it's called a new year a time for hope you ready mm-hmm. uh even the biggest optimist can't deny that 2019 was a tough year for our world the tragedy of the last year played out on our television and computer screens and in our newspapers every day. The headlines seem to get worse, which we've been talking about for a couple yeah, of days, absolutely. right? Um, and it's, you know, it uh, references a couple of specific tragedies. But against the grim backdrop, we come upon a new year. What ought we expect for the next 12 months? What will we encounter on the way? A Christian can and must go forward with hope. The one who has hope, Benedict, tells us lives differently. Of the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, Hope is often the one that receives the least attention, left to some vague supporting role, which is often confused with mere optimism. St. Paul, in particular, communicates time and again his preference for faith and love over hope. Hmm. He said, if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, he writes to the Corinthians, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Or, more memorably, faith, hope, and love remain, these three, And the greatest of these is love. But it's time for hope to be lifted up again in 2020. When we walk in faith, but that faith wavers and we aren't sure where to go, all we can do is hope. Hope is the attitude of the heart that is most humble because its very presence tells us that in this life there is more than meets the eye. Perhaps we've unintentionally been living without hope. Maybe that explains the success of certain political campaigns years ago built on this often neglected theological virtue. No matter one's politics, it's striking how eagerly vast portions of the United States desires to hope, confident that such hope isn't false, but active and inspiring. It's important to note that this hope isn't blind. It isn't thinking that everything is okay and will be okay because it always is and because good people somewhere will always do what's right. It isn't cheerful or naive. It isn't the refusal to see the somber realities ahead and instead dream of a world without such obstacles. Hope doesn't deny an awful reality. It looks it in the face and it hopes. Mm. It acknowledges that there is good in this life, even if it can't be seen right here and now. Hope is not blind. Rather, it changes how we see. It does not by averting our eyes from a difficult reality, but by drawing our eyes to it so that something different can reveal itself. Hope arises most brightly through suffering. Why? It offers us a vision that is not limited to what is immediately at hand. It allows us to find meaning in our suffering, to see that although God does not will, our suffering God is fully committed to creating good from it. Whether we, are, uh, whether we see it or not, hope is alive. It is alive in anyone who has suffered intense loss and kept moving, who has made the decision to love another with no promise of a return, who has doubted the existence of God and yet prayed anyway, and who has endured suffering for the sake of someone else and actually found great strength in doing so. What will 2020 bring? Heaven knows, but we do know what we must bring to 2019 and that will make all the difference.
0: Yeah, that's powerful. This concept of what we long for being hope yeah. uh, and just put in those terms over and over. Like that's what the new year is about for many people. It's hope of a new beginning. Right. It's hope that what the struggles of 2019 were may not be the reality of 2020. It's the hope that things can change. That's why, because really New Year's is a really random holiday, right, like okay, the calendar changed, but but with it, I think there's you know the hope that this will be the the year I get in shape, the hope that this will be the year my relationships get better, the hope that and on and on and on and on and and I think what this article Apatheos does so well is to highlight uh, that so much of the human existence, so much of the human longing is for hope right uh and and that as as Christ followers we've got. Uh, hope to offer to a world that's looking for it.
1: Which I, I think hope, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We'd done a message on hope when we were talking about the prophet Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. And Harry Nowen talks about the difference between wishes and hope.
0: Yeah,
1: And how, you know, wishes often tend to be sort of like a finger crossed, like a really, you know, I hope, I hope this happens. Yeah. And he's like, that's not really what hope is. Hope is like clinging to a future reality that changes us in the present, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just this pie in the sky. And I love how the article says, not naive, it doesn't pretend that things aren't sometimes really, really difficult, really painful, but it's clinging to something often that we can't see with yeah. our own like physical eyes. I think it's why Paul writes things like let the eyes of your heart be enlightened mm. so that you may know the hope that awaits us. You know, like the idea hope. that, you know, I think Paul writes elsewhere that the God of hope desires for us to have abounding hope. This idea that hope yep. somehow grows in us. It's not just like, Oh, I have it or I don't have it. Like sometimes it's, a seed right sometimes yeah. it's just a glimmer and that like by actually leaning into this hope you know it continues to grow and i think for for 2020 that is a really really good target to shoot for
0: it really is and i think the question becomes you know friends family members whatever else when they come if they come to you and say man i I'm, i feel hopeless where can i find hope that uh, that we've got an answer to that but for those of you out there really struggling going i don't i feel hopeless even as the calendar changes to a new year you know the question becomes where are you what what is worthy to put your hope in? Where are you going to put your hope? And that's where you know we we speak of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. and so as we move into twenty twenty, uh be reminded of what it is that actually brings us true hope. Yeah, I'll just close with this. Father Richard Rohr says
1: the theological virtue of hope is the patient and trustful willingness to live without closure, without resolution, and still be content even happy because our satisfaction is now at another level and our source is beyond ourselves. That, Mm. for me, I think is a really, really important sort of vision casting, at least for me, for the next year, to still, amidst all the headlines and all the tragedies, all the difficulty that we face, all the struggles that we see in the world, to say, man, my source and my satisfaction is beyond what I can see right here in the present, and I'm going to continue to cling to hope. I think Mm. going into that next year, that would be my hope, not only for us, but for the show, for anyone listening, and uh, we hope, at the very least, that that encourages you as well. Well, um, coming up next here on the Common Good, this in a lot of ways sort of encapsulates uh, a topic that you and I have sort of danced around mm-hmm. a little bit, but mm-hmm. maybe maybe never fully went full tilt at. The headline reads, I'm slowly learning that I don't have to react to everything that bothers <laughs> me. That's coming up next here on the Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good, and we are in the home stretch, man. Almost we are. Almost the end of 2019.
0: We're about to enter into the year of Barbara Walters. Which, <laughs> a joke you now get. <laughs> if you could have seen it was off air, Ian told me that joke, and I was like, well, Barbara, why do people, w-? he's like,
1: was it off air? I think it was
0: during a segment. Was it? I don't know John. Does, John's napping He's not Sometimes it serious. all goes in together Because <laughs> I think what people need to know Is the conversation never really ends We just kind of keep talking And then Alright let's start another one You then, know what though
1: I will say this That's probably a, a good sign
0: Yeah I think so too I think too. it doesn't feel like Oh here's our stage voice And our stage that's conversation true. And then here's Brian Fromm And just Have being you ever read those friends. stories Of like radio people Who didn't talk to each other at all Like they didn't Like they hated each other Yeah that blows my mind And that like literally Between segments They wouldn't speak I'm always like <laughs> What? I get
1: like Weird. if your personalities don't totally match or you're not like BFFs, but yeah, it is what. I, and I'll say this on air, Brian. It's part of what I appreciate about our dynamic. Like we actually, I think we've never really talked about it. Actually,
0: enjoy each other. Are we defining our relationship right now? Let's, let's DTR, <laughs> man. Yeah. I want to hold your. Yeah, if people saw we're texting during the day, yeah, right. Different different things, different ideas, different things about our producer. I mean, we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> girls we trying actually, to I, set him up with. Yes, I yes. just remember it was during segment
1: because you finish with like all people who are blind will finally see 2020. Yeah. And I'm like ah, there it is. It was the end of a segment. Oh, so, okay, yeah. no. Barbara Walters. Look at us. It this is 2020. So many ocular jokes. Okay, so uh I read the headline, I'm slowly learning that I don't have to react to everything that bothers me. And We're going to get into that, but Brian Fromm wants to speak some words out of your eardrums. Uh,
0: I do. <laughs> what if $50 could mend a broken marriage, wow. protect the life of a pre-born child, or even help lead someone to Christ? It's double wow. Your end-of-the-year donation to Focus on the Family could do all these things and more. Give the gift of family this Christmas, and for a limited time, your donation will be doubled by Friends of the Ministry Double the gift means double the impact. That sounds like a, a gum commercial. Yeah. Double the gift means double the impact. So give now at 1160hope.com slash family or call 1-800-A-FAMILY now. Hot. Wow. What? <laughs> well, okay. DJ is so tickled by that. Well,
1: how did that commercial go, by the way? Uh, double double pleasure. your freshness. No, I think it's double your freshness, double the fun. Now that's it. A statement it. of a great mint, double <laughs> mint. All right. It sounds totally right. I think that might have been the newer version. I think there was a double, double your freshness, double the fun. That sounds good. Why don't we just think about it for the rest of the segment? And now, and go. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> There's, st- a, a solid radio. Be a <laughs> there. Tear up. Nothing translates to radio better than a stereo. How did off. you end
0: 2019? In five <laughs> minutes of silence. Looking deep into Ian's eyes. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I'm
1: slowly learning that I don't have to react to everything that bothers me. So let me just read a little bit of it. Yep. Um, begins by saying I'm slowly learning that I don't have to hurt those who hurt me. I'm slowly learning that maybe the ultimate sign of maturity is walking away instead of getting even. I'm slowly learning that the energy it takes to react to every bad thing that happens to you drains you and stops you from seeing the other good things in life. I'll give an amen to that. Mm. I'm slowly, slowly learning that I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea and I won't be able to get everyone to treat me the way that I want to be treated and that's okay. I'm slowly learning that trying so hard to win anyone is just a waste of time and energy and it fills you with nothing but emptiness. I'm slowly learning that not reacting doesn't mean I'm okay with things. It just means I'm choosing to rise above it. I'm choosing to take the lesson it has served and learn from it. I'm choosing to be the bigger person. I'm choosing my peace of mind because that's what I truly need. I don't need more drama. I don't need people making me feel like I'm not good enough. I don't need fights and arguments and fake connections. I'm slowly learning that sometimes not saying anything says everything. I'm slowly learning that reacting to things that upset you gives someone else power over your emotions. You can't control what others do, but you can control how you respond, how you handle it, how you perceive it, and how much of it you want to take personally. I'm slowly learning that most of the time, these situations say nothing about you and a lot about the other person. I'm slowly learning that maybe all these disappointments are just there to teach us how to love ourselves because that will be the armor and the shield we need against the people who will try to bring us down. It will save us when people try to shake our confidence or when they try to make us feel like we're worthless. Slowly learning that even if I react, it won't change anything. It won't make people suddenly love and respect me. It won't magically change their mind. Sometimes it's better to just let things be, to let people go. Don't fight for closure. Don't ask for explanations. Don't chase answers and don't expect people to understand where you're coming from. I'm slowly learning that life is better lived when you don't center it on what's happening around you and center it on what's happening inside you instead. Work on yourself and your peace. And you'll come to realize that not reacting to every little thing that bothers you is the first ingredient to living a happy Mm. and healthy life.
0: What do you think? It's hard. That's a hard one. That that line right there, uh, don't center it on what's happening around you and center it on what's happening inside you instead is a powerful line. Because, um, you know, we joke how, how I can be a people pleaser and all this. But I think everybody, this is a hard thing to learn. You think so? Right? We want just... I don't think anybody wants to be disliked. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think everybody wants to be affirmed and liked. Some of us just feel that deeper, more deeply yeah, and more true. strongly right. as an urge. I think you're right. And so to be like, you know what, I'm going to work on this person talking about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slowly learn uh, that my identity is not found in what other people say about right. me uh, or think of me. I don't need to engage in every online struggle not every email, see, as a pastor, not every email that's a critical of the church is an email that's critical of me. Right. That I can be people. Like, it's okay if not everybody... Uh, I, what's the phrase they use? I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Uh-huh. Like these are all things that intellectually and in my mind, I know, but are hard to live out. Like I appreciate most of all that this author is talking about slowly learning this, right? Like, what does it look like to learn this a little bit more uh-huh. and a little bit more as opposed to the people who are like, Nope, I don't care what people think <laughs> about me. Like, no, uh, that this is a process, a yeah. process of being secure in who you are, who you are in Christ. Right. And, and just kind of one, you know, baby steps to kind of grow in this. I think this is a great one this wasn't written for the new year, but I think this is a great one as you mm. think about resolutions and mm. things you want to grow in. This is this is one that's a good one.
1: Well, and you'd mention
0: it too. It's, and it's not
1: written by a Christian author, so there's like a couple of lines mm-hmm. I would maybe add one or two more words. You know, talking about this understanding being the armor and shield, and I would say maybe more ultimately, man, your identity in Christ uh, far exceeds anything. and you know, one of the phrases I used to say a lot is the only one who can define you is the one who made you and he calls you mm. loved, you know, this idea that like, it's not just finding your own kind of inner peace as important as I think that can be. I I would couch all of that in the context of being an image bearer of God. Mm. The Holy spirit resides in us. You know, I think, and again, I can't expect, you know, someone uh, who hasn't had that experience to write about it, but I think the vast majority of what he's saying here is really, really helpful. And I, I'm wondering, too, how many times you think in this next year we'll be tempted to lash out or tempted to take things personally or tempted to weigh in on a thread that, you know, is just spiraling out of control. Like the temptation's real, you know, and Mm -hmm. then we get exhausted. And I've seen more and more Christian leaders in particular saying, hey, I'm signing off of Twitter for a while. I can't keep doing this. Yep. Like it's just taking too big a toll. And I think, all right, good for them. They're taking good emotional stock of like that this isn't healthy for me. Yeah. I'm going to go like hug real people and have conversations face to face. Cause this is yeah spiraling out of control. And I'd love to know, like for you, as you look at that, especially, and I appreciate the vulnerability talking about being a people pleaser. I know is, it's a tough thing to admit because yeah. no one likes to, no one likes to feel like, man, their emotional well being is somehow tied to someone else's
0: reaction yes. or yeah, yeah, response, yeah,
1: yeah. but it's, that's a real struggle. No doubt. And I think it's a real struggle for a lot of people. And I think a lot of this is tied to that.
0: Yeah, I, I totally do. Uh, I say to our congregation a lot of times, like I'm I'm really good at preaching the sermon that talks about finding your identity as a child of God and that your identity is secure in Christ. And I believe that with all of my heart. I just struggle right. to live it out. Yeah, right, And right. And I think people appreciate that when I own that because I think a lot of us struggle to live it out. And I just think it's a slow, like a slow learn that they're talking about here mm-hmm. uh, that I don't need to allow other people or we don't need to allow other people uh, to determine uh, our, our self worth, our right, self image. Exactly. And uh, that when we do do that, um, it, it can be really difficult because some days people love you, some days they don't. And that can be <laughs> really hard.
1: So what encouragement would you give? Like I gave a, a talk to our students last January and I gave an example of, it was this like social experiment where it was, uh, people that volunteered and they had makeup artists to put like this huge awful scar on their face Mm. and they were going to like send them out into the world just to see how people reacted to this like awful horrible scar but the one tweak is without telling the person at the very last minute they actually took the scar off their face and then these people would walk around the city and 100 percent of them came back and reported man people treated me so differently they didn't know they They, took the scar off their face no no goodness but they came back and 10 out of 10 said Ugh! People looked down on me, and people I could tell were like sneering at me, wow. and laughing behind my back. That's fascinating. Didn't realize they didn't even actually have the scar at all. And part of my whole point was when we actually believe these lies about us, we will behave as if they're true. Yep. We will see all of all of our interactions through that lens. But wh- mm. what's the most common description for believers in Christ in the New Testament? It's someone in Christ, over and yep. over and over again. That phrase, "in Christ, yep. in Christ, in Christ," it means we're loved, we're forgiven, we're adopted, we're secure. And I I don't know, man, I'm preaching
0: to myself, I guess. That's great. uh, It's way, way easier said than done, right? Absolutely. So much easier said than done, but such an important, like it's a foundational life principle that we've got to slowly learn how to to lean into. Totally. 100%. Coming up next, (laughs) how's this for right turns?
1: Uh, How dyeing my hair and getting tattoos actually helped my mental health. That's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone, welcome back to the Common Good. Do you know what song that is, Brian? Pratt? No idea. <laughs> Not the first idea. I thought you were about to answer because it's "Smell." No, no, it's "No Diggity." No doubt, it is. Well, it's a cover by a guy named uh, I think his name is Chet Faker. <laughs> I think that's true. PJ, did you know this? Like before he gave you this music. Well, it's in the description of the song. Uh, so he's always I was known. Just, yeah, yeah. I was yep. agreeing with him. Okay, he's just agreeing. Chet Faker, you got to be honest. For like a musician, that's a pretty that's a pretty killer name. Yep. It's funny though. You should watch the video of Chet Faker's cover of No Diggity No Doubt because it's a bunch of like super hipster, like bearded, flannel wearing, and they're playing this like jazzy No Diggity No Doubt. It's
0: it's really it's really tasteful. Yeah, I had absolutely no idea that there was even a person named uh, Chuck Faker, (laughs) Chet (laughs) Chet Faker. (laughs)
1: I literally just said it. Chet How do you Faker. forget a name like Chet?
0: Chet Faker. Can you fake it? Ah, uh, tell you, fake uh, it. I apologize to Chet and his family. He's not listening. It's fine. Uh, or all right, if there's a couple Chuck couple Faker of out there, Ch- I, pers- I Chuck Faker, Ch- the lesser successful Charles <laughs> Faker. Charles.
1: Faker. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If you want, after that, Rousing Introduction, you can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show, eleven uh, sixty hopecom dot slash the Common Good. Also, wherever it is you get your podcast. And we're, okay, why not, for your New Year's resolution, start yes. the year off right and uh, give it a little like, subscribe, type up a little review, mm-hmm. hit that share button, send to someone that you know or love or despise. Any of those are acceptable. They and, all help uh, us. <laughs> they all help us somehow, <laughs> yes. right? Even haters? Yes. I don't know. Did you have
0: words you wanted to say? I do. Was I reading that hand signal correctly? You were. Here we go. <laughs> After a year, we got this down. Barely. Hey, join thousands at the largest pro-life event in the Midwest on Saturday, January 11th, at the March for Life Chicago. Visit Chicago dot org for tickets and details about new and expanded events all day, including a convention, youth rally, the March for Life rally at Daily Plaza with abortion survivor Claire Colwell, Chicago Bears Pat McCaskey, and Cardinal Cupic, followed by a dinner banquet and swing dancing into the night. The voiceless need a voice. March for babies, march for women, march for life. Visit marchforlifechicago.org today. This is really nice, Brian. Thank you. Swing dancing. I was going to say you got you really like pepped up. I don't <laughs> I never expe- I know I've read it a couple times now. You just don't expect swing dancing to be part of this event. You know, I actually swing dance a little bit. Not surprising at all.
1: Why is that not surprising?
0: Uh, John, not surprising at all, correct? Well, I mean,
1: didn't you mention that you?
0: No, even it? if he had never mentioned, as Ian is like, uh, I'm going with target demographic for swing target dancing. Target
1: demographic, yes. What about? Tell me, what is what is my demographic? The
0: swing dancing. Type. Oh, okay, I feel like you
1: are skirting this. I question like. A,
0: I'm. You. A, I'm, a, I'm a, like swing dancing. You'd seem like the type who would enjoy <laughs> a night out swing dancing. Is it the cardigan and the fedora that I'm wearing? Is that what <laughs> it is? <laughs> that, with doesn't, the cowboy boots that doesn't. That doesn't scream. Swing dancing. It does scream beer and hymn. Here's what I'm going to say. But it doesn't. <laughs> Is
1: it because I came in in a zoot suit?
0: Is here, that why? Here's what, I'm, here's what I'm going to say about you after a year. Hold on. Let me put my saxophone down. Yes. Go ahead. Is that I could think of a lot of things where I would go, yeah, I could see you doing that. <laughs> I think you're just, you're eclectic in y- that way. Illegal things? Or, nope. Okay. no, nope, <laughs> nope. You are eclectic in that way. Oh, that thanks. I think, uh, yeah, I think there's a bunch of things. Yeah. You also are eclectic. Swing dance. Nope. I'm not. Oh, no. <laughs> swing dancing being one of them. I well, see.
1: and again, that's sort of the benefit of being homeschooled. We you can learn weird yep. things. I learned how to fence when I was homeschooled. Yep, yep. We can talk about that another time. We don't need to go there right now. Anywho, uh, here's the headline. Ready for it? I would like to see you and our producer fence one another. I would do that. Yeah, I accidentally stabbed a guy once. <laughs> Is this Anchorman? <laughs> no, I was. Yeah, yeah. I, I killed a guy with a trident. Brick killed a guy. Yeah, that escalated quickly. You should probably lay low for a
0: while. You're probably wanted for murder. (laughs) I needed to have a meeting with two people the other day uh, who (laughs) who had, uh, there was some tension between them. And And swords uh, broke out. (laughs) No, but I used the phrase, that escalated quickly.
1: Were you brick in that exchange? It was early, but that escalated quickly. I just started yelling, I love lamp.
0: I love lamp. Oh No! no uh, we use that all the time.
1: Rick, are house. you just pointing at things in the room? <laughs> I,
0: I love I, lamp. I love <laughs> carpet.
1: I will tell you this. Um, I have worked in uh, many leatherbond books into a sermon before. Really, dense smells of rich mahogany. Yeah,
0: <laughs> what was the phrase? Uh, it works fifty percent of the time, all the time. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. That's what it was. <laughs> that that doesn't,
1: doesn't make any sense. <laughs> How much time do we have left for this segment? <laughs> oh, we,
0: uh, we can say we ended. The minutes. minutes we four. ended <laughs> the year with just quoting Anchorman over and oh, over man. and over
1: again. One of the most quotable. It is. It is. Which, as Christians, we cannot formally recommend. Nope, we cannot. But it is hysterical, so go watch it. Anyway, uh, (laughs) here's the headline. Do we have time to – let's do it. Let's go for it. we got time. How dyeing my hair and getting tattoos helped my mental illness. I first went on medication for anxiety and depression when I was 13 years old. I first dyed my hair blue the next summer before starting high school. I was first hospitalized for depression when I was 16 years old. I got my first tattoo the next year when I was 17. Over the last 17 years, as my list of diagnoses grew, my tattoo collection and hair colors achieved – grew proportionately. While there has not been a tattoo to mark every trauma or hair color change to go along with every surgery or hospitalization, there is undoubtedly a connection between my body modification and my mental health. For some people, the constant chemicals of hair dyeing and the extreme permanent changes of tattoos are the opposite of what you think of when you think self-care. Few people equate needles and bleach with self-care for completely real and valid reasons. My tattoos and hair color have led to anything from rolled eyes to to a stranger asking me, but why would you want to ruin your body like that? Mm. They have also, of course led to compliments, questions, and great conversations. But ultimately, choosing to use my body as a canvas isn't for them, it's for me. It's one of the ways, sometimes the only way, I can battle depression, grief, and anxiety. Here are a few ways they contribute to my journey toward
0: wellness. Why don't you give us number one? Yeah, this is fascinating, right? Uh, Number one, self-expression. The most obvious way my body modifications are a way to battle the sometimes overwhelming catalog of depression and company is that by having unicorn hair and body art, I feel like the truest, freest version of myself. It's not about being edgy. It's about expressing curiosity and spirit, despite feeling heavy and hopeless. Mm. Sometimes I am more than a list of mental and physical health challenges. I'm more than grief and trauma. Mm. I'm quite literally a work in progress, changing, evolving, and never quite finished. The second one is when I've heard a lot control having
1: tattoos and experimental hair is one of the few things I can control about my body. I can control what flannel shirt I put on in the morning. I can decide to take my medication of vitamins and drink enough water. I can on good days, haul myself out of bed and go to the gym. But there is so very much outside of my control. I can be in therapy, do yoga and practice meditation and my body and brain can still rebel against me and I can still have a panic attack. I can eat well and exercise and still experience pain from what is that? from diseases I can't pronounce. I will sometimes... Endometriosis and fibromyalgia. Oh, way to go. Thank I, you. I could have pronounced those. <laughs> now, you're just, now you're just humble bragging, Brian.
0: <laughs> I just was helping you out, no, man. Well done. then.
1: I'll sometimes wake up with kidney stones or a migraine or bullet just because those are fun things my body likes to do every once in a while. Having purple hair or an owl on my foot gives me a
0: measure of certainty in a very uncertain life. Interesting. Number three, reminders. Uh, this author writes, when my mom died, when I was 18, I got a tattoo in remembrance of her. I have several tattoos that are specific to anxiety, the words no day but today uh, from Rent and the phrase bird by bird by Annie Lamont, by Anne Lamont. Uh, so good, by the way. Both to help remind me to be present and mindful. I have the equation that represents the first law of thermodynamics as a tattoo on my rib cage to remind myself that energy can't be destroyed, only changed. My vintage bouquet of flowers tattoo, my geometric cat tattoo, and my royal blue hair are because I think uh, these things are bold, bright, and beautiful. Uh, things that I feel like my life is lacking sometimes. Hmm. When you often feel like your body and brain are working against you or when you feel displaced by grief and loss, these physical reminders of beauty, courage, or inspiration are not insignificant. They are the things that make me feel safe. Man, All right, number four,
1: distraction and celebration. At the most practical, basic level, when I'm spending hours getting a tattoo or processing and dyeing my hair, it's time I'm not spent obsessively thinking, worrying, being angry, or spiraling into self-loathing and shame which are just the occasional realities of a life lived with mental and physical illness. It's also how I celebrate mental health wins and physically pain-free days. Like many forms of self-care, Netflix, binges, baths, candles, meditation, writing, napping, my many skin and hair modifications are just for me. They are the thing I choose to do to show myself respect, love, and remind myself I am worthy of time spent on myself. Wow. There is no wrong way to show care and love to ourselves. There are only things that give us hope, help us heal, or bring us Closer to happiness, and then it ends. I think this is important, especially near the end of the year when I know that a lot of people are struggling. If you or someone you know needs help, visit our Suicide Prevention Resources page. If you need support right now, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255, the Trevor Project at 1-866-488-7386, or text the word HOME to 741741, and we know as we're nearing the end of the year that a lot of people... This story, I, I'm assuming, is going to resonate. And yeah. to know that you're loved, that you're seen, that you're cared for, that there are people in your life that care about you, that want to come alongside you, and uh, if you in any way need that help, please raise a hand, please reach out, please call and seek that out. Oh, it's been a good year, my man. Oh man, wow!
0: I didn't know we were going that route. Uh, we went, we went with the uh, uh, the old uh, what's this called? Old anxiety. Thanks. I'm like <laughs> the New Year's song. Year's new song. year song but it's been a fun year and what better way to end it than with kickers <laughs> we don't call them kickers Sorry. on the air brian interweb brian. insanity crazy yeah, story we got a peek behind the curtain there didn't they that's right but before we get into that it's been fun man let's do it again in 2020 i cannot wait
1: man it's been a real blast thank you john thank you brian thank you marcus and keith and eric and frank and all the great people at the station that make the show so so much fun I could not have imagined how much fun this would be. It is. Can't wait for 2020. And thanks
0: to those of you who not only listen, but you give us feedback. You tell us you listen. Absolutely. Uh, we would love to hear more of that and just uh, suggestions. But we look forward to this show, uh, not just continuing in 2020, but getting better. Absolutely. We are yep. so, so grateful for you, anyone who's listening, wherever you're at. We love you guys. We're
1: praying for you. We can't wait for 2020.
0: And now yep. let's do Sue Interweb crazy. It's <laughs> coming up next year
1: on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. <laughs>
0: stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web.
1: Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to the common good. I don't know why I sound more tired this time, probably because I am. But that energy, though, that music always gives me energy because I know... That we're in store for some interweb insanity. I you think? Because we know we're going home soon. <laughs> That's kind of your outro. I, it's hard. How do I not take that personally? Can't wait to get out of this room with Ian. He is driving no, me. Crazy. I can't wait to get to my family. How's that sound? Oh, is that better? Yeah, my ego will allow that okay. to be true. Okay. Uh, so, if you're just joining us for the first time, first off, hello, welcome. Uh, second off, we end the show the same way every day with some interweb insanity. Our producers found some articles. And uh, we have not read them. We haven't even caught a whisper of what they are. They've also brought sound effects. So we're experiencing all of this with you. If we stumble on our words or giggle like children or weep uncontrollably, it's all real because we don't know what's happening. And uh, this is always the most scary part of the show. Brian Fromm, take it away. England. England
0: cow escapes slaughterhouse, runs loose through British City. Well, good for that cow. A cow escaped from a British slaughterhouse and went for a run through a city, becoming a social media celebrity in the process. The young brown cow was spotted running near the M6 highway toward the center of Carlisle Wednesday after escaping from the West Scottish Lamb Limited slaughterhouse. That's a really cute name for a slaughterhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's go to the West Scottish Lamb Limited. Slaughterhouse. (laughs) <laughs> Twitter users Nicknamed the cow Daisy Obviously And used the hashtag Hashtag Save cow, To call for the bovine To be spared uh, Spared from slaughter Cumbria police Said officers Located the cow And made the decision To shoot and kill the animal <laughs> <laughs> Efforts were made To resolve <laughs> <laughs> Given the potential Danger <laughs> The increased stress of the animal oh, on the animal, a decision was taken to conclude the incident as quickly and humanely as possible. There is a, there is a, there's a McDonald's bit coming here. I I'm think. Sure
1: of it. Don't kid yourself, Jimmy. If a cow ever got the chance, he'd eat you and everyone <laughs> you care about. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at the... Honestly, what made me laugh so much was just how you read it. But you started the sentence, you're like, here we go.
0: I really thought that they were going to
1: spare the cow. Yeah, because there was a hashtag and a name, and then it just sort of like, yeah, he did. Okay. (laughs) All right, Canada. Uh, Man walks out of elevator after nine-story drop. Oh, no. This is my nightmare. Witnesses say a man has escaped serious injuries after an incident on a downtown Edmonton elevator. Edmonton fire rescue crews received a call that an elevator had fallen holy cow nine stories just after 1.30pm I a can't worker, imagine that no that I'm my heart is beating so fast right now a worker in the building told CTV News the man was on the 10th floor yeah we can do math uh, the witness <laughs> <laughs> the witnesses say the man managed to walk out of the elevator on his own after firefighters pried to open the elevator doors but was complaining of back pain okay i am a I'm a uh, uh... I'm going to
0: need a change of clothes. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That one's crazy. Oh, geez. California. Man arrested while attempting to fix flat tires with gauze and band-aids. Arrested? I don't know why. Orange County Sheriff's deputies responding Tuesday to a report of a suspicious man next to a parked SUV arrived to find him attempting an unusual and ineffective method to fix a flat tire. The man was trying to patch two damaged tires using gauze and band-aids. A citizen reported the suspicious man next to the vehicle near Felipe Road... Uh, around 6 a.m. When deputies arrived, they found both driver's side tires were flat and the 26-year-old man trying to repair them. The man was, res- was arrested, it always is this, on suspicion of being under the influence of drugs, the suspect's identity was not released.
1: It's all ball bearings nowadays. Now you prepare that Fetzer valve with some 3-in-1 uh, oil and some gauze pads. And I'm going to need about 10 quarts of antifreeze, preferably Preston. No, I'll make that Quaker state. Name the movie. Could you say... uh well, hold on. Before I forget, was he arrested without gauze? <laughs> Is this an example of gauze in effect? Keep going. I learned that. That was good. I wonder if he was the Wizard of Gauze. That was good. I'm was all good. out. What was the movie. The movie was uh, was what? Fletch. Oh yeah. Oh. oh yeah. Right on. Florida. I can't not say Florida like that Florida. now. Florida. Oh, even you've, you've, you've. I can't get away from it. Dead battery thwarts Walmart scooter getaway. <laughs> I don't know why that got me so giggled. Uh, After boosting a Walmart electric courtesy cart from a store in St. Petersburg, a tipsy Florida man, there it is again, drove the Hot Wheels nearly a mile before cops apprehended him as he tried to recharge the cart at a gas station. John Davis, 59, living his best life now, is jailed on a felony grand theft charge in connection with his alleged swiping of the $1,500 vehicle late Saturday evening. He's gradually getting away, chief. He's That's, What is it. that movie from?
0: I have that no cool idea. From? That sounds like The Simpsons, but I have no idea. It's Simpsons. He's Okay, JB's giving us the nod. I'm two for two. We're going to end, but before we do, let me just say that I saw this one on Twitter, and what did I say to you? We're going to be reading this at you the end of I the show. You said I bet this is a kicker. You did. And uh, we're getting into, we're now into Keist Brain. Oh, it's a scary place. New Hampshire. After waiting 50 years to open Time Capsule, New Hampshire residents found there was nothing in it. Residents in the New Hampshire community of Derry waited 50 years to open an old time capsule, and they were definitely surprised by what they found inside. When Kara Potter started her job as a library director five years ago, the town's time capsule, sealed in 1969, sat safely on a shelf. Nobody touched it until last spring. (laughs) On the 50th anniversary, they opened it. I was considering running a library program around opening it, so I wanted to open it to make sure we could actually physically do it. The combination for the safe was conveniently posted on the back of the capsule. It took us several tries to get it open because we had the combination and it's an older safe. So by the time we actually got it open, there were a number of staff people standing around and waiting. To everyone's surprise, it was empty. We were a little horrified to find that there was nothing in it. Dairy uh, historians and town officials were notified. As it turned out, no one holds a list of what even was originally put in there. You get nothing. You lose (laughs) Good day, sir. Good day, sir. That's one of my favorite lines.
1: Willy Wonka. Man, what a performance. Well, so glad that you joined us today. Hope you join us again tomorrow on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.